Thursday Theology and uh, your weekly cigarette advert, Smoke, smoke Lexington. What is, how does that go? Lexington. It's not After the, action, satisfaction. After action, that satisfaction. One. Isn't that Camel? That was Camel. No, I think so. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I was going to say Lexington, the best a man can get, but that's Gillette. <laughs> it's Gillette. That's like a different thing. All right. Stay with us. We'll keep this in mind. Thursday theology, man. Let's do this. What are we talking about? Um, so, I mean, we, we're digging into the early church fathers. Yep. And uh, that's going to raise a lot of issues around Gnosticism, docetism, mm. uh, issues that relate to the humanity and the deity of Christ. Um, so, I thought it would probably be useful for us just to dig back into some classic theology, looking at some aspects of the humanity of Christ and, in particular, the temptations of Christ. Right, right. Wasn't there a movie about that? Yeah, don't watch the movie. The Last Temptation of Christ, Willem Dafoe, where Christ and Mary Magdalene get it together. Not good. Blasphemous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So bad. So bad. Willem Dafoe. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? I always liked that actor. I always remember him from Platoon. You know, the guy on the cover with the hands in the air. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Yeah. Dafoe (laughs) is like such a badass, but that ruined it for me. Anyway. So, all right. Temptation of Christ. A big, big issue. Big subject. A lot of people get this wrong. A lot of people are totally way out heretics on this. Yeah. It's crazy. So I think what often happens is, um, you know, there's always a pendulum between one extreme or the other. Some people overemphasize the deity of Christ, Mm. hence the Gnostic era. But then on the other hand, you've got a bunch of people who are overemphasizing the emphasizing the humanity of Christ, mm. and this impacts deeply on you know whether Jesus was actually tempted, whether he had a sinful nature, mm. um, you know, and how close he actually came to sinning. Mm. So I mean, let's just start with where the Bible starts. Jesus mm-hmm. was in fact sinless, yeah. And there are a number of texts that prove this. Yes, um, John eight forty six. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. There it is. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 7.26, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Mm. And we know that Jesus never confessed to sin. He never experienced or showed any guilt. Mm -hmm. Uh, He never prayed for forgiveness. Mm. And he always claimed to do the will of God. Mm. So (laughs) there's no sins of omission. There are no sins of commission. (laughs) Yet there are those who claim on the basis of Hebrews 4.15 that Jesus had to have a fallen nature like ours in order to be tempted in every way in which we are. So Hebrews 4.15 reads, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, mm. but one who in every respect has been tempted, as we are, yet without sin. Mm-hmm. So Very good. This, has, this has brought up a, a number of people who've sort of endorsed the fact that Jesus had a sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Edward Irving from yeah, the Presbyterian yeah. side, Carl Barth, mm. Cranfield, famous commentator, the Torrance brothers, the Neobartians. Yeah. Um, uh, all of these people say that it's absolutely necessary for Jesus to have a sinful nature in order to be tempted just as we are. Amazing. What do we what do we say about that? Well, I was going to say one of the one of the proof texts I'd go to as well, um, at least by implication, and actually I find it even 
uh, well, I wouldn't say more persuasive, but just very, very important is the Romans 5 to Adam's comparison that Paul's making, because the entire system of thought, you know, the entire structure of thinking is based on the idea that 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 Jesus um, is 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 one who is doing the Adam thing over again, you know, and yeah. uh, that whole idea just falls to the ground if you don't have that. And so, uh, you know, it, it's just you, you lose Christian theology. In any Pauline, any sort of covenant theology, any biblical theology sense, I think if you uh, if you go the way that Bart went, or just any of these guys on on um, on thinking what they thought, you know, just trying to emphasize the humanity of Christ in such a way that actually renders the cross null and void. Um, yeah. So you know, the thing is, um, what I would say as well, just on that point, is that um, every temptation that we have to be thinking about uh, in terms of what Christ endured and what that that text you just read in Hebrews says um, needs to be thought of in terms of uh, Adam's temptation, not everyone in Adam. And I think that mm. that is immediately helpful because it's not like Jesus has to endure the very temptations we endure already fallen so as to have endured what man should have endured, you know, uh, yeah. rather he needs to be the one who was like Adam, who didn't, who was tempted as Adam was um, and didn't, didn't sin and so you have yeah. this you know all of a sudden the wilderness and being tempted by satan concerning eating you know becomes that much more relevant because you know we look at that and we think well you know what, what was so sinful about eating anyway um <laughs> you know why why is it bad why is it bad to turn like bread into or rocks into bread i mean what's the problem yeah. there you know yeah. it only makes sense if you're considering it as as a, a temptation that that would have been relevant to the first adam yeah, and you make a good point bringing up Adam because, you know, um, it's not our sinful humanity which makes us makes the temptations real. It's our humanity which makes the temptations real. Mm. Were, were Adam and Eve really tempted, even though they were sinless? There we go. Yes. Obviously. Does Christ need to be sinful in order to be tempted? No, no. No. So sinfulness is not a necessity for temptation to take place. Right. It's almost like it leads to the bigger question: Could uh, Jesus have sinned. I mean, that I find that to be the more. I mean, I think there's a great answer for that, but it, it's still it's just more on point. You know, throw your answer out. What's that? What is your answer? Well, I would just say, actually, I think um, the guy who did the best on this, well, just a good accessible sort of um, approach on this is Grudem. Uh, okay. I, I slam Grudem regularly, so let me lift him up in this in this occasion. Um, yep. You know, he just. Um, I think he. Maybe it was Grudem. Oh man, I don't want to backtrack on that. He's now. the guy who holds up the. Right. The weights above his head with the yeah, yeah, ever yeah. letting them go. Yeah, screwed him. Okay, good, 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 good. Because um, basically, I mean, I just, I just found that so helpful in that if you, if you take a typical, you do a bench press, you know, um, you guys <laughs> been to the gym, tried bench press, right? There we go. You got the weights. Who's resisting more weight, right? The guy who puts a whole bunch of weights on and then drops it or has to, you know, have a spotter to help <laughs> him out or the guy who has the weight on. Uh, at an increasing level and resists it all the way and doesn't keep need a spot. Yeah. Keep adding more weights. Keep yeah. adding more weights. So yeah. whole human life. So the question then is just reduced to absurdity because it's kind of does the weightlifter need to drop the weights in order to feel the the the, the, the weight of the weights? You know, it's just a stupid idea that Jesus had yeah. to sit, had to be sinful or you know to feel sinful temptation or, or um, he felt it in in a much more intense way than we could ever. Um, but just because he didn't drop the weight doesn't mean that that cancels that reality. So, yeah. you know, I think that's very, very helpful. The curtain very rail helpful. also. Did I, did, I, did I get the curtain rail from Grudem? 
Uh, explain. I'll tell you if I so, recognize it. So, you know it. you got those little caps at the end of curtain rails? Uh, yeah. All right. So, um, maybe I made this one up myself. So it sounds like a made up. It's sounding like a dumb one. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, you've got those curtain rails, right? And you can move the curtain along. And so the question is, you know, it, does Jesus have this? Did he, Would his divinity have been that curtain rail stopper preventing him from sinning? Right. Uh, preventing the curtain from falling right, right off the rail, so to speak. Um, I think, yes, it would have been. And no, that means no, yeah. it couldn't have fallen off. But does that, uh, yeah, does, I, I, yeah. does it's, that it's, it's mean, does that I'm, mean, I'm, hey, you got to let me finish my analogy, bro. <laughs> does that mean that you can't legitimately move the curtain along the rail is the point. So just because it doesn't yeah. get to the end of the rail, it doesn't mean it can't move along the rail. So that's the thing. Yeah. I, was, I guess. I was, I guess. It was quite good. I claimed that one if, if I didn't steal it from someone. Yeah, you can have it. It's, it's right. not that great. Either. It's like an 8 <laughs> out of 10. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. But uh, just before we come back to that, I, there was just another verse I wanted to read. This one comes from Romans 8.3. So this was often the, the proof text used by those who claimed that Jesus had a sinful nature. Yeah. It says, um, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son, listen to this, mm-hmm. in the likeness of sinful flesh. And mm. for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Mm. So in the likeness of sinful flesh. And that was often the, uh, yes. the big verse that Edward Irving would use. Yes. Because look, you see, he's in the likeness of sinful flesh. But right. we would push back and say, hang on, Paul's making a very deliberate distinction. There's yeah, an like important the thing Greek, to balance there. The Greek for likeness is likeness. <clears throat> yeah. So it looks like yeah. <clears throat> and maybe subject to similar conditions like, but is unlike. Yes. That's why the word like Stress is unlike. <laughs> right. That's why he put it there. I mean, there, there, we don't need for the word otherwise. You know? He's stressing similarity, but he's stressing difference. Yeah. And so in what way would Christ have been like sinful flesh? Or we would say the fact that he could die, mm-hmm. the fact that he would be subject to pain, the fact that he was subject to um, this realm of experiences that we as sinful human beings are, are, are exposed to in terms mm. of the temptations of Satan and all mm. of those things. Mm. But unlike in that he did not have a sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So I think that's very important. So to my mind, um, a lot of the discussions about could Christ have been tempted, are it's almost like they aren't asking a much more basic question, did Christ have a sinful nature to yes, be tempted? Yeah, no, by? absolutely. Agreed. Yeah, totally. So the two, no, the two questions yeah. overlap, and that's the base question for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, what do we mean when we mean that Christ was tempted? And I think there are just some incredible ways of thinking about the temptations of Christ that are very devotional. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking here in particular of um, Gethsemane mm-hmm. and uh, just some of the instances of Christ in the gospel. But here are a few thoughts. I'm, I'm leaning here on Donald McLeod. Okay. And there are just certain Great things book. that he, it's, oh, such a helpful book. I oh. know not everything in it is good, but there is so much in there that's just wow. Yeah, truly. Through my brain. That was so good. But the first thing to say is this that Christ's temptations came to him not through a sinful nature, but through human weakness. And mm. so that's what we just said, Romans 8, verse 3. Yes. You know, in other words, his temptations did not arise in himself as ours do from sinful desires, like mm-hmm. a desire for illegitimate lust or illegitimate gluttony or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. But his temptations came to him from outside himself. Mm. And so he was tempted by hunger, but not gluttony Yes, in the desert when he was tempted to turn uh, stones into bread. He was tempted by the love of his friend Lazarus to rush to his deathbed instead of waiting that God might be glorified through a miracle in John 11. Mm. 
Totally. In Gethsemane, he experienced the natural fear of pain and death that's not sinful. To It's, it's an ordinary right, knee-jerk human reaction, which isn't sinful, mm. when he asked for the cup to be removed. Yeah, yeah. But in all of these, the tempta- temptations arose not from sinful desires as they do in us. Yes. It came from outside himself due to human weakness, but not from inside of himself due to sinful desire. Yeah, yeah. That's that's such a vital distinction, isn't I it? I think so. And it, it has um, a lot of bearing, I think, also on on when we ask the question of whether if we're tempted, we're actually sinning, you know, that whole thing. Uh, yeah. It, you, know, there, there's, you know, we're quick again to say, well, Jesus... You know, he was tempted and he wasn't sitting, but it's not really the same thing sometimes because it's not coming from no. in our sinful nature. And that needs to be part of that discussion. Yeah, he was tempted by every sphere of existence that we have, but not in the same manner that we are tempted. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. So then the second thing to emphasize with regard to, to Christ's temptations is he was tempted in ways that you and I can never be tempted. Yes. So, for example, he was tempted through his holy desires. <laughs> right. So he he would have been tempted by the glory that he enjoyed with the Father before the foundation of the earth. Yeah. You know, you know, to, to forsake that, this existence for that one. Um, <laughs> yes. Donald Cloud puts it this way: Jesus also had holy affections, feelings, and longings, which in the course of his work he had to thwart. Mm. Foremost among these was the longing for communion with God. Mm. Is it any wonder that in the Garden of Gethsemane the prospect of losing this communion almost overwhelmed him? Right. He Great was not point. being called upon to mortify lust. Hmm. He was being called upon to frustrate the holiest aspiration of which man is capable. Man, crazy. Yeah. So good. So good. And that's what Christ was subject. You know, that's, that's what he was bringing his will under. Mm. <laughs> I know. We just, yeah. And you've got to, yeah, I mean, that's essential to Christology right there. You know, Amen. just to keep you in that a completely different bracket when you're thinking about this. Otherwise, it just gets so weird so quickly. But this is beautiful. Yeah. That's great. So when, when Christ was contemplating what he would, you know, where the Bible says he became sin, when he would have to take the guilt of our sin upon his shoulders, mm. knowing that that would, what, would, what that would entail and, and the cost incurred in body and soul and communion with God, mm. it, was, it was this that was tempting Christ when Peter was rebuking, when Peter was rebuked for telling Jesus that he, he, should, he shouldn't die. Right. Get behind me, Satan. Yes. <laughs> What was what was he being tempted with that he had to rebuke, yeah. um, you know, Simon for? Right, totally. It wasn't any real sin. It was, you know, yeah. you know, taking the easy road away from communion with God. Yes, exactly. That, that, that was the temptation. Yeah, and again, the wilderness, you know, and everything there, and you know, it just helps you process that. You know, again, I think that's huge because if you move into that whole like wilderness temptation thing. Without a yeah. consideration of this, this, the difference of the category of Christ and fallen men in that sense, um, yeah. you know, it's just a very weird scenario. Like, why, why, do, you know, it just gets totally arbitrary. <laughs> but you see how pertinent it is. Every single thing is just geared for, for a temptation. Certainly by way of recapitulating Adam and Israel, but even even yeah. more intensely, this idea um, of of Christ accessing his own divinity. You know. Yeah. Um, so Donald McLeod, just in commenting on Matthew 4, right. the temptations in the wilderness, he puts it this way. Christ was tempted through his sonship. So this is another unique way in which Christ was tempted. Mm. So as we view the temptations of Christ in the wilderness, we see them that he was tempted not through sinful desire, but through his calling and through his identity. Mm. Yeah. The devil tempts him to obsess over his identity. Yeah. You know, if you are the son of God. Yeah. 
You know, Jesus had just been baptized by John. He just received the Spirit. There was the heavenly voice saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Right. In this temptation, he's tempting Jesus to cast off the restraints mm. of his submission and to exercise that divine identity. Yeah. Beca- but Jesus and again, wants, no, man right. shall not live by bread alone. Totally. And man. in so doing, he's, he's retaining his, you know, um, his status as, as, a, as a God-man. Who, who has come to save men, you know? As an Adam. Yeah. Yes, as an Adam. And and it, like like no one, no one's getting tempted in that way today, you know? <laughs> That's the thing. It's just not even relevant to us. And, yeah. and yet Maybe how much... Because he's got the Clark Kent, you know, the double identity thing, but no one else. No one else, man. And, and the thing is, um, you know, we've got like, what, 10 kgs that we're bench pressing? Jesus is bench pressing like, I don't know, man, like a lot of, a lot of kgs right there. So, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, another temptation through the sonship, you know, the second temptation had to do with the public acceptance of his identity. Right. There would have been thousands of people at the temple daily. And if they saw him throw himself down and the angels save him, that stunt would be a shortcut to success, wouldn't it? Totally. Yeah. You know, he would have to, he would go right around the rejection of the people. Mm -hmm. He would, he would, he wouldn't have to submit to all of God's laws and go through the whole suffering thing, he could just get that acclamation as king immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And totally. so again, yeah. it's, uh, he's tempted through his sonship. And then the last temptation was the gift of the kingdoms of this world by yeah. the devil for worshiping him. But what was the, the father was waiting for Christ's obedience so that he could give him the name above every name. Mm. But the devil saying, I'll give you the name above every name. Yeah. I'll give you the kingdoms. Don't be the obedient son. Let me give it to you. Yeah. Don't get it through your obedience. And so, I mean, these are the temptations we'll never be faced with. Oh, totally. So big. I love the way that Jesus nails them, you know, like every single temptation doesn't even come close to wiping out. You know what I mean? Just, just, yeah. he just answers perfectly all from Deuteronomy, just nails it, you know, completely. Um, and I mean, it's just such a confidence there, you know, that though he, it's like, again, to, to, this will be the last time I use the weightlifter analogy, but you know, it's there's a confidence in seeing someone who's got all the weight you could ever put on a pole, you know, while you're bench pressing or a bar, I should say. Um, and uh, there he is, you know, just not even faltering. You know, there's something yeah. awesome about that, mm-hmm. and um, it gives us confidence because that's why he was accepted, and that's why we're accepted, uh, you know, um, uh, on his behalf. So. Um, that's important to consider as well when we're floundering without 10 kg, you know, it's crushing our chest because we keep wiping out. Uh, it's, you know, it's just helpful. It's a helpful thought. Yeah. yeah. He never, he never dropped it. And it's by virtue of his never dropping it that we're accepted in the sight of God. We are justified by his active and passive obedience. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So there you go. Some thoughts on the temptation of Christ. Very good. Yeah. I like that. I mean, it's a blind alley for people who, who are not willing to hold on to the mystery. But if you actually dig deep, man, it's just you want to fall on your knees. Oh, yeah, it's it's really is. It's it's at the heart of the substitution. You know, it's the it's the atonement that we're talking about there. It's the, you know, again, and even just as we ended off talking about there, I mean, every time you're tempted, you can think about this every time you're um, mm. every time you fall. Obviously, you can think about this in the way that we that we typically do. He didn't. And therefore, you know, we're accepted. Um, but you know, just, just there's every moment, every imperfection can point to his perfection. So it's a really, the more you know about what's going on in that exchange and who Jesus was for us, um, just the more confidence I think we, we start developing. 
So that's good, man. Really appreciate that. Okay, cool. That's uh, where we Thursday theology, temptation of Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trust that blesses you guys. Thanks, bro.